0: Good morning, Monique.
1: Good morning, Phil. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm really well. How are you?
1: Yeah, great. A bit chilly, but otherwise really good.
0: Uh, you're up in Rutherglen?
1: Uh, I'm in Wangaratta, actually, but ah, very yeah. close to Rutherglen.
0: Yeah. What's that yeah. like for a commute to work?
1: Uh, it's not too bad. It's about half an hour, So, um, and who wouldn't want to go to Rutherglen every day, really?
0: Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, Monique, you are a sales and marketing manager at Stanton and & Colleen, and you've been You're first off the rank, so why don't you tell us what you know about Tariga?
1: Well, we've been growing Tarrega since 1968 um, up at Stanton and Colleen. Really? Um, More so for our, yeah, more so for our port varieties. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually didn't know that until I did some research um, in the office yesterday. I thought it was a little bit later than that. So, yeah, yeah, more so for the port varieties. We've uh, been making vintage fortified for a very long time and introduced the Portuguese varieties uh, to mesh well with the port more traditional Australian varieties. We uh, do a mix of Juriff and Shiraz along with the Portuguese. So, um, yeah, Tariga is firmly in the vineyard. Uh, we have about an acre or so, and we, uh, in 2020 vintage, we got about 2.8 uh, tonnes off the vines, which is a very small dip in the ocean in our, um, in our vintage, but still a really great grape. Um, we use it now actually more so in our table wines. So in recent years, we've been uh, making our Portuguese varieties that we would u- commonly use for port into uh, red blends and uh, into rosé as well.
0: So you guys have a bit of a Iberian bent. I was looking, I was doing a bit of research on the, the vineyard, yeah. uh, on the website, I should say, and you've got Tinta Rorith, which we call Tempranillo, you've got Arinto, Alvarinho, uh, Tinta Cow, Tinta Barocca, which are all, I mean, you know, quite well-known, if you know Portuguese wines. But how, when did this start? I mean, you say back in 68. Were all of these varieties planted back then?
1: No. Uh, Tariga was a, a fairly early comer there, but more so in the uh, mid-90s. Chris Colleen, uh, who is really well known for making his vintage fortifieds, planted more of the Tinta Cow, Tinta Barocca and Suzau, uh in about 94, where he started to... Um, blend those into his vintage fortifieds in the late 90s so uh it wasn't until he passed away in 19, uh, sorry 2007 where his uh children decided to make those into a blend as a bit of an ode to him yep. so it's actually called the prince yep. uh after being a print support
0: and i mean i don't know how involved you are in the winemaking do you ever go down and sort of taste individual components
1: uh, yeah, we do. We're a very small team, so um, get our all our hands dirty, <laughs> even us in the office. Uh, so with the Tariga, um this year we we tasted the very small batch that we got in, um, and it's very they're very small berries, um, but very intense fruit flavours. So uh, we get really nice uh, fine tannins from uh, the grapes, and it's just a really amazing blending wine. Um, it just does really well to uh, complement a lot of other flavours, but also quite assertive at the same time.
0: Yeah, because I was wondering, in Portugal, in port, often the most expensive of the ports are 100% Tariga Nacional, but it's such a pain to grow. I just sort of wondered, <laughs> you know, have, have you guys ever looked at doing a single variety Tariga port or, you know, is it, do you not get enough of it?
1: Uh, we probably wouldn't get enough of it. Um, and we actually did make a Tariga table wine in 2012. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of an experiment at the time. Just uh, we did the Torriga, and also uh, we did Suzau as well, which um, didn't go as well. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the Tariga stood up really well. We actually did a tasting of that the other day just to revisit. Um, and the tannins have actually softened a little bit, which is quite good. And it's still got really nice fruit flavour. So I'm not sure whether we would really is it in the future doing another Tariga on its own, but certainly more blending in the future with other Portuguese
0: varieties. Where's, where's your main market? Like, do you sell through Celador mainly or are you sort of distributing across Australia?
1: Um, mainly in Celador, um, yeah. which was a little bit of a hit of recent uh, months, yeah, but a yeah, yeah. uh, little bit of distribution around Australia and then we also sell a little bit overseas as well. So we're a little, we're everywhere.
0: <laughs> so do you get much feedback about these varieties? Like if you release... You know, which are, you know, I mean, people who love Portuguese wines would know these varieties, but not many people would know and Nacional at all. No, do not you, at all. So do you get much feedback from the consumers through the Cellador? Uh,
1: yeah, and um, I've been working in Celador over the last few weeks after we've re- re- reopened. And some of the comments from people that have never um, tasted Portuguese wines or have no idea how to say them, let alone... Uh, what they are <laughs> um is that they're, they're really quite interesting and uh from a marketing perspective which is where i kind of sit in the company um we're finding that uh people are really interested in trying something new um looking at alternate varieties something a little bit different rather than just your traditional Shiraz and Cabernets um but also they sit really well for a medium bodied wine mm. um really approachable really drinkable um and got really great fruit flavor
0: And so I did note that you've used a lot of the Portuguese terms rather than the Spanish, say. Is that just to keep on theme? You had the Tariga in the ground for a long time. You just sort of keep the Portuguese names running?
1: Yeah, we uh, we feel that we should... um I suppose give credit where credit's due and, and maintain the Portuguese names as much as possible. Um, and we, because we've been making port for a very long time, we feel a really strong association with Portugal. And um, some of the owners have been over Portugal a few times to make sure that we're keeping true to the style, but also kind of putting our own spin on it as well.
0: So, uh, I'm not going to be pedantic, but you keep saying port. <laughs> Are you actually allowed to say port no. still? <laughs>
1: no, we're not. <laughs> uh, vintage fortified uh, is what we call the vintage ports now. Um, and then tawny and ruby for the, uh, the barrel-aged versions. But uh, no, it's a bit of a, it's a hard um, habit to crack not saying port.
0: <laughs> and how does that play in the, the cellar door? I mean, people must still call it port all the time.
1: Yeah, it definitely. It's like people um, coming up and asking for a glass of champagne in Australia. You just—it's a really hard thing to crack. Um, same with Tokay. We um, are no longer able to use that as well, so we've changed it over to Topake. But um, of course, people still come into cellar door asking for Tokay.
0: I have to say, Topake is a horrible name. I can't. <laughs> I can't accept it. It's not my name. <laughs>
1: it's... No, it's it's not pleasant. And uh, there's been many discussions around the office around how we could potentially change it to be um, muscadell, which is the great variety, uh, yeah. which sounds a lot more pleasant, but um, conflicts a little bit with muscat, which make we make quite a lot of as well.
0: Yeah, it, and it is hard when you've got to rename something that people mm. have called it forever. You know, and it's probably going to be a generation before it changes.
1: Yes, I think at least. Um, yeah, it's very hard when you've got people that don't um, follow wine as much and, and don't understand the reasoning why of why you can't use the name.
0: Yeah, and it's not like it's at all you're going to stand there correcting everyone every time they say poor. No, no, not at all. <laughs> it'd be a good way to annoy all of your customers.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, definitely.
0: <laughs> and so I wanted to talk in terms of, I mean, again, I don't know sort of how far you get into the vineyard, but do you know how Tariga... Uh, you know, interacts in the vineyard compared to some of the other varieties you use?
1: Um, we get fairly low yields out of the Tariga. Yeah. Um, from what I've um, chatted with our vineyard manager, um, she's quite happy with the Torriga that we have because it's really well established. We get fairly good yield compared to others, um, but still comparatively low compared to the other Portuguese varieties, but um, it's planted in red loam and clay soils. Um, so very common around the Rutherglen area and seems to act, interact really well with the Toriga and the other Portuguese varieties as well. Um, act, we're actually in a similar position to uh, the Bordeaux region, but we're a few years ahead. Uh, we yep. had originally at the vineyard Merlot and Cabernet, and then uh, decided that they weren't perform- performing as well and, and looking at the changing climate. So we grafted particularly the Tintour is, but the other Portuguese varieties as well.
0: Yeah, well, it kind of makes sense to me too, because you, when you think of Spain or Portugal, you think sort of warm climate and, you know, dry, whereas mm-hmm. Bordeaux isn't that warm but it's getting there, but it's no. also, it's quite wet. You know, the, the varieties there are, are late ripening. So that's kind of where my confusion came in with, you know Merlot or Cabernet with um, Tarriga, they just the flavours don't seem to mesh at all to me. I just
1: I... yeah, it. I I would find it really interesting to do a tasting for uh, to with the Cabernet or the Merlot. I've seen a, a few blends with. Um, to, uh, Tintoral Res or Tempranillo and the Tariga on their own yep. and it's a really lovely wine but yeah it'd be very interesting to see how they'd match up particularly with Cabernet being such a big variety and uh, the Tariga is very similar in the way that it's got big tannin and lots of fruit as well so I'm sure that I'm not sure how they'd mesh.
0: Well we're going to find out because our last guest today John from First Drop actually has a blend of Cabernet and Tariga it's only oh, 5% cool. Tariga but that about represents uh, the quantity of tariga that's allowed in the vineyards in Bordeaux. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited to hear more about that. And there was a place over in WA, LUS or LAS Vino, which had blended Cabernet into their tariga, but they're not anymore. So I wonder if that's a <laughs> indication. <laughs> hey, Monique, we're just going to take a quick uh, song break. And then we're going to come back and just chat more about Stanton and Colleen. Phil from the Wine Depository hosting today on this beautiful Sunday morning. And we have Monique Smith who is a sales and marketing manager from Stanton and & Colleen, and we've been talking Tariga. But, Monique, the other part of your business, obviously, is you make a whole lot of wines, not just with Tariga. And we're just talking off air, but cellar door is back open now?
1: Yeah, cellar so is back open. We've been open for three weeks, which has been very exciting, having been closed since the 25th of March. Uh, but we've had a great response. So many people travelling to the region to uh, say hello and drink some good wine, which is always always a good thing
0: <laughs> and yeah yeah well i you know i'm sure people are busting to together the house and interact with some human beings and you um you have people traveling from melbourne and maybe sydney to come up and see you
1: yeah we um we're near the hume uh freeway so yep. we get a lot of people traveling up from melbourne to sydney or to canberra um we've had a lot of uh, a lot of guests through from melbourne of late and from canberra as well we seem to be a favorite in the rutherglen area for canberra canberians so uh-huh. um yeah, they're they're always traveling towards our direction um but yeah no it's been really fantastic uh we've seen a huge increase in visitation particularly for this time of year it's usually very quiet being june and or july sorry and a little bit chilly but uh it's nice to pe- see people out and about
0: so do you mean that canberra people favor stanton and colleen or they favor coming to rutherglen rutherglen Really? uh yeah. we
1: do we do an event uh as a region every year called Rutherglen in the city and we travel to canberra melbourne albury and we're hoping to expand that in the near future but uh we get a very warm welcome from canberians uh, when we <laughs> go up there <laughs> i don't know what it is but we're, we're we're favorites uh as a region to them
0: oh that's awesome so with the cellar door you've obviously got a few restrictions what um what can people expect when they come though
1: Uh, So we've finally got our heads around the very long list of uh, both recommendations and restrictions. Uh, We are only allowed to currently offer seated tastings as opposed to when you would just usually stand at a counter and and be nice and close to other people, Uh, and also being uh, 1.5 metres away from another group. Uh, you can be nice and close to people in your own group but not so much to others yeah um, and we're just being really careful with sanitization and, and all that kind of thing as well so it's still a very casual environment but uh, a few slight slight changes
0: I'm totally down with seated tastings I why should I stand up and have to, you know, work my legs? Or so I could sit down and lounge and be waited on.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've we've actually really um, enjoyed doing seated tastings because you actually get to interact a little bit more with the customer, and because we're limiting the amount of people inside as well, we're actually getting a chance more to chat and um, explain our wines and and tell the story rather than just kind of pouring on a busy day and just kind of making your way around and and just uh, yeah giving a very quick brief discussion so you yeah, know i think we might even consider doing this going into the future
0: i think it's a good idea i mm. one of the best times i had was actually at sure smith and they sell the door and you sit down you have to pay you yep. sit down they pour you the flights they have a chat they give you some cheese they leave you alone but they can come over and talk to you
1: yep. and yeah and that-
0: yeah it's great because you get a full story like you say sometimes at sell the doors but you know the staff are so run off their feet they only give you a 30-second spiel. They get halfway through a story and then they go and pour the same wine for somebody else and you get the same 30-second story for like right next to you. But yeah. it's nice to get a more complete experience for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's the, the changing way of cellar doors is that it's no longer a, uh, just going to try to buy. It's actually an experience in itself. So you're not really just going in there to taste and run. It's sit down, learn about the wines, taste through the range and have a great day really
0: well we've most of us have come all the way to rutherglen from somewhere far away so (laughs) we we want some love and attention yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure which they're they're certainly getting at the moment
0: (laughs) and have you had to change what you open or how many wines you open at the cellar door
1: uh we've actually gone backwards we're actually opening more wines now um through this period just to uh, give those that are visiting us a better experience. Um, we had actually restricted some of the wines on our range beforehand, but, yeah, no, opening them all up now.
0: <laughs> and is it a time-limited experience?
1: Uh, no, we're we're one of the only uh, cellar doors in Rutherglen that aren't actually doing a slotted time or booking, so we're just offering walk-ins, so you can kind of come in and, and stay for as long as you like, uh, which does mean that if you do arrive and there's no seats, you do have to wait a little bit, but it's not yep. usually that long.
0: Oh, that's excellent! Hey, um, I did want to ask you about the Alvarinho. Yeah, we would, we would call it Alvarinho. Yeah, <laughs> I love that variety. what What kind of style is it that you make?
1: Uh, so we make uh, the Alvarinho Anorinto. There are two Portuguese white varieties. Yep. The Alvarinho is a little bit more full bodied and it has a little bit more fruit sweetness at the end. Um, some say that it kind of sits between a Pinot Grigio and a Riesling, uh, being a little bit more of that fruit-driven style, but it's just a really great variety. Um, we have we actually won two trophies for it last year, oh, right. which was fantastic, and um, we've seen a lot of people really enjoy the style, which, um, yeah, bodes really well for us.
0: Is that trophy-winning wine still available for sale?
1: Yes, it is, but there's only about 20 dozen left, what? so uh, what? we're what? about to move on to the 2020 vintage.
0: Okay, so that was 2019?
1: Yeah, 2019.
0: Nobody buy all of those twenty dozen before I get <laughs> off air. <laughs> I've got, got a show to finish, and I got some wine to order. Because um, it's a it's a lovely variety. It's a variety I wish we saw more of in Australia. I really feel like that sort of textural weight works well with people who maybe like chardonnay but don't want to drink chardonnay at the moment. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, and being a little bit fuller bodied, it's um, it's not as light as say a, a pinot grigio or pinot gris, but um, it yeah it certainly gets up there. Uh, towards the Chardonnay style. So, yeah, no, it, it, people really seem to enjoy it and trying something a little bit different as well, which is nice.
0: Yeah, always, always. Oh, oh, Monica, you've made it sound like I need to just come up to Rutherglen and... <laughs>
1: you <laughs> and do. Come visit us. Come and, come and
0: visit. It sounds like a good idea. Hey, we've got to make tracks because we've got Simon sitting there. He's been waiting patiently for an hour, so he'll, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, make some time to chat to him. But thank you so much for joining us via Zoom. We're socially distanced. Um, if people want to find out more about Stanton and Colleen, the website's the best place to go?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, visit our website, uh, stantonandcolleenwines.com.au um, and we're more than happy to take your call as well and have a chat. We're very friendly up in Rutherglen, so <laughs> i always up for a chat.
0: <laughs> and obviously after the shutdown and everything, probably very keen for people to come out and visit you and say hello and, and try the wines.
1: Yeah, come on out. Um, we'd love to have you up in Rutherglen. We're, um, we're a tight little community. There's a lot that We've got about 19 wineries um, up there, so there's lots to see and do.
0: And uh, even though it's cold outside, I'm sure it's warm in the cellar door, right?
1: Very warm inside. Yeah. We've got a nice warm fire and heaters <laughs> and all that kind of thing. So, no, very warm inside and very welcoming.
0: <laughs> that sounds perfect. Monique, thank you so much for chatting to us today, and we will hopefully chat to you again soon. Thanks, Phil. See you later. No worries. So that was Monique Smith, Sales and Marketing Manager at Stanton Clean. We'll take a quick break, and we will come back and chat to Simon McMillan, for, uh, who is Tige's the winemaker.